This is episode 253 of the Andrew Hines Real Estate Investing Podcast. Infinite banking in under 60 seconds. We've all got to save our money somewhere, and we think that a high cash value life insurance policy is the perfect place to save it. Why? We're going to save our money inside this policy, and it's going to grow tax-free. Down the road, we're going to get hit with an emergency or an opportunity, maybe a chance to buy a business, real estate property, an income-producing asset, and instead of withdrawing from our savings account, we're going to leverage that asset. We're going to borrow the insurance company's money, and we're going to invest in that opportunity. Our money is still inside of that policy, compounding, uninterrupted, tax-free, and our money's outside in this investment opportunity. We're going to rinse and repeat, rinse and repeat, all while providing a death benefit for our families. Down the road, we're going to retire. Now we retire with a high cash value life insurance policy with a lot of cash. We're going to start taking those policy loans again, but this time we're never going to pay them back. When I say never, I mean we're going to pay them back with the death benefit when we die, and our families are going to get left with the rest completely tax-free. Welcome back to the show. Today I have John Schwanker on. John is actually co-authoring a book with me and uh, we're going to be focused on real estate investing obviously in this book. Basically what we decided to do is uh, go ahead and create a book kind of like Tools of the Titans by Tim Ferriss where we're interviewing different people who absolutely crush in the real estate industry as investors and uh, combining that with our own wisdom and uh, in our own conclusions and packaging it up, uh, putting a bow on it. So uh, that is actually in the works and it's going to be released in January. On today's episode, John came on to basically just discuss his story in real estate and what ultimately led him to come to me to approach me with this idea about the book. And um, one of the things that's particularly unique about this episode is, is John got into his heavy losses with the correction in the market that happened in uh, about March, 2022. Um, it's not all sunshine and rainbows. Uh, John knew that he had some exposure, some weaknesses in his business model. And uh, part of his doing this book was to help solidify um, his approach. And right in the middle of it, of course, this happened. So super interesting episode. Uh, we went through a lot of uh, pretty raw discussion and uh, I enjoyed it. And I hope you enjoy it too. Uh, I want to remind you that I actually have another show called REI Hot Seat. I know I mentioned that a while back, but I haven't mentioned it recently. Uh, REI Hot Seat is a YouTube only show for now, and uh, it's deal analysis. So primarily deal analysis, some news and breaking news uh, that's relevant to real estate investors, but we have a heavy focus on commercial multifamily acquisitions right here in Ontario. So I'm pretty optimistic about uh, real estate in Ontario. I'm pretty optimistic about the opportunity that exists right now because of uh, the fact that so many people are sleeping on it. And these things come and pass, but uh, generally speaking, when I see the masses doing one thing, I like to uh, observe what's on the other side because there might be an opportunity. And I think that we might be approaching one. So uh, that's where my head's at. And uh, we often bring that topic up on the show. So wanted to remind you of that. Just before we jump into the show today, please take a moment and share this episode with somebody you think it could help. That's the best way to help this show grow. And it's also the best way to support me if you enjoy what I do. Uh, so without further ado, let's jump into episode 253 with John Schwanker. Hello and welcome to the Andrew Hines Real Estate Investing Podcast. I've got uh, a friend and co-author of my upcoming book on the show, John Schwanker. John, thanks for doing this. Thanks for having me, Andrew. Excited to be here. Yeah, so we're going to do a bit of a different episode here today. Of course, we're going to go through your investing journey, what's been going on. I mean, obviously, the last couple of years have been 
real. <laughs> yes. Um, but uh, we're also going to talk about, you know, why write a book for real estate in 2023 and 2024. <laughs> uh, so this this book is uh, up and coming and uh, we're going to be uh, releasing it at the start of 2024. So uh, anyways, yeah, uh, John, let's start from the top. Tell me a little bit about yourself and what got you into real estate investing. Sounds good. Yeah. So real estate investing wasn't my first career. Like most people, I've spent a bunch of years through the education system. I got my degree in kinesiology before becoming a paramedic and eventually a firefighter. So could have become a doctor with all this education. Mm -hmm. I've spent years doing a whole bunch of different things, but um, <clears throat> excuse me, ended up where I wanted to be in firefighting and got into my uh, hometown in St. Catharines, which is fantastic. And I actually did the paramedic and firefighting thing at the same time for a year, but it was just a bit too much burnout. Like, like working both jobs separately. Working both separately, yeah. I was working full-time as a firefighter, then another 20 to 30 hours a week as a paramedic as well. And it was kind of like some mental burnout after a while because you just get uh, just too much yeah. first response, I guess I could say. Yeah, that's that's a lot. Is, is St. Catharines considered like a busy, like was your station a busy one? Uh, yeah, so I'm downtown St. Catharines. I don't know. Have you ever been through downtown St. Catharines yourself? Probably, but I mean, I'm not super familiar. Right. It's kind of like any other, like a downtown Hamilton or downtown Toronto. There's a big homeless population right now and a lot of drugs going through there, unfortunately. So it's very busy with uh, a lot of those types of calls. So mm -hmm. definitely a busier area for me. Okay. Now, as far as firefighting specifically, like what's your typical day look like in that? Are you guys coming in and cooking dinner? Or <laughs> <laughs> That's definitely uh, something people think about. Like we are there for 24 hours, which yeah. is a crazy long shift. So we do have to do those things like make breakfast, make dinner and stuff like that. But right out of the gates, it's, we have to check our trucks, check our gear, make mm -hmm. sure we're ready for the day. We have to be ready within pretty much 15 minutes of the day, check our air packs, our medical kits. Mm -hmm. We have to do a full detailed truck check. And then we kind of get into training for the day and then it just calls spaced out throughout the day. Yeah. So lots of training. We do two separate trainings a day. What, what do you mean for a training? Like, yeah. Like we'll do like say medical training in the morning and then we'll do like uh, hose deployment in the afternoon. So practicing how we like yeah. deploy our hoses for a fire or we'll do like high rise operations. So uh, just all the different skills we have, there's about, Oh my gosh, a hundred core competencies and stuff like that. So yeah. it's uh, about a year between hitting all the different competencies. So you so. go through all of them each year and exactly every quarter, yeah. there's a whole schedule we have to go through. So just nice. to make sure everybody's on the same page. Yeah. It's probably good to keep up those skills. Sure. Um, how often do you get called out in a day? Downtown, uh, it could be anywhere between 10 and 20 calls probably. So that's a busier oh, station. So it is pretty busy. Yeah, there are places like Hamilton and Toronto are a little bit busier than us, but St. Catharines is pretty busy downtown. And then mm -hmm. the outstations, we call them, they're a little bit slower than that. Yeah. So yeah, I'd say, yeah, 10 to 12 would be an average and then 20 would be a busy shift for us. 10 to 12, so like once every hour or two. Exactly. So you're not really getting any sleep when you work a 24 hour. <laughs> not getting a lot, no. We're allowed to like lay down and stuff, which is really nice, but you're not gonna go to work banking on sleeping that night. So it's good to allot some time the next morning to get a couple hours at least. Wow, okay. I just wanted to take a moment to understand more about firefighters because so many firefighters also do real estate, like real estate agents. And then of course you got your investors. Uh, it's not it's not an uncommon thing to hear. Absolutely, like I think 
we have about 160 people in our department and out of those 160 i'd say at least half do something else like there's a lot of people that do like a lot of their own side gigs and stuff like that and uh but real estate is very common because we're working like two shifts a week pretty much like they are 24 hours so there is, is some recovery time that we have to build in mm-hmm. but we do have a lot of extra time in the day so i do know a ton of guys that have yeah. their own landscaping business or sell real estate on the side yeah. have properties rentals and stuff can you, you can still take a phone call while you're at work and stuff right that like as long as there's no we can yeah if it's <laughs> it if we're not training or of course yeah. on a call or something like that but i'll admit yeah. i've taken a call or two at work <laughs> uh we're not supposed to do too much of that for sure but if there's yeah. an emergency like i'll take care of it otherwise yeah. i'll get one of my partners or something to take care of it nice yeah now that we understand the dynamic of the the firefighter and kind of working outside of that, let's jump into when the real estate thing happened for you. And then we're going to talk about why books, because you're already an author. So we'll get into that. Right. Yeah, Go for, for sure. So in 2018, uh, that's when I got on the fire department. And that's when I actually started uh, my real estate investing journey and everything. So my girlfriend and I, uh, we've been dating for about a year at that point. So we thought, okay, John's a firefighter now. Courtney's making good money with all of her jobs. So we decided to buy our first house. Uh, I'll never forget. It was a cheap house, downtown St. Catharines, $270,000. But I've done, like I said, all the education and everything. So I had a bunch of student loans, lines of credit, stuff like that. So we had to pretty much save as much as we could, beg, borrow, and steal to get the down payment pretty much. And I think it ended up being like eight or nine thousand dollars per person. So it was like twenty thousand dollars, not crazy. Mm-hmm. But it got us in the market, fixer upper downtown St. Catharines, not the nicest street. But I spent the year, me and my dad, we fixed up the house a little bit. And even at that point, I had no idea about flipping houses, real estate, anything like that. It was just kind of a, a dumpy house. So my dad helped me fix it up. And then I spoke to someone that flipped a house and moved into a nicer house, and I'm like sounds like exactly what i want to do so we flipped that first house made a nice profit and then we ended up flipping the next three or four houses our primaries to avoid the capital gains which so you flip a house move into the next one exactly and how long would you have to live at a house to make that work to exempt yourself from uh capital gains yeah the answer we always got was about a year if it's a little shorter that's fine if it's a little longer that's fine as long as you had a reason to get out was the big thing yeah if if you've got the pattern and you're less than a year i think that's where you'll get into trouble right exactly so we we ended up doing that a couple times and it worked out great and during that time one of my friends uh spencer giles him and his Mm -hmm. girlfriend ashley so spencer and ashley i think you've had them on here once or twice it's been a while but yeah yeah, they were on here. Um, they're our best friends, Spencer and Ashley. So we actually bought an Airbnb with them downtown, not downtown St. Catharines, uh, near the beach in St. Catharines. And mm-hmm. we ended up airbnb that out. It was a big, big process, almost a year-long renovation. But that one's been doing very well for us. And then with all the flips, we kept moving up to nicer houses just to improve our, our living situation. And then we decided to downsize at one point. And we invested in Ellicottville, New York, which is the Holiday Valley and yeah. Palomont Ski Resort, again with Spencer and Ashley, just to diversify. Just the one house there? Just the one they for have, us. Do they have another one as they well? They have another one, yeah. yeah okay. So they have a really nice one down there. Ours nice. is a, on more of a mid-range end. But the one you have is with them as well? It is, yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah, so they have two out there. 
mixing friends and uh, business and pleasure, right? Like, that's it. It's been great. Yeah, yeah, it's been awesome. Like Spencer and I do a lot of work together and it's just fun. Honestly, like we don't have, we could yeah. contract out some of these jobs, but if it's a day or two job, sometimes we'll be like, yep, we have a weekend. Let's bang it out and yeah. have fun doing it together. Yeah. yeah, you just go down because this it's what from from where you live. Well, you guys are both in St. Catharines area. We are. Yeah, it's a half an hour to the border and then about an hour just straight shot to get there. That's it. Oh, yeah, wow. that's okay. it. So hour an hour and a, and a half. half gets you. Yeah. So for you guys, it makes way more sense than going to Blue Mountain to go to go down there. For sure. Yeah, it's way cheaper to stay there, like cheaper well, to yeah. stay equivalent mountain ish. I mean, I say I like Holiday Valley better personally. They have more runs and a lot of people like it better as well. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I, I say mountain in quotes, but I mean, right. it's nothing like out West or anything, but it nothing is. Yeah. Like if, if, yeah. If you can, if you can't get out there, then for sure. It's a great that, spot. That's a great spot. Hour yeah. and a half. Yeah. Can't beat it. Yeah. Nice little quaint town. It has a Tim Hortons. That's how you know you're, you know, among Canadians, I guess. That's <laughs> it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. That came in just five or six years ago, maybe. And oh, it's yeah. like, okay, now it's a good spot to invest. It has a Timmy's. Yeah, they have uh, some bigger chains out there now. So it's really growing out there, which is nice. Yeah, the thing I find about there, and I've driven through there probably like 50 times at least, uh, is it's just like it's weird how small it is for, you know, like you go to Collingwood and, you know, like you see the traffic, you see the, you know, the buses and whatever. Like you, you just pass right through Ellicottville and it's got those that big ski hill. It's got the golf course there. For sure. They yeah. have the Seneca Casino out there as well. That's another big yeah. draw. So seems to me like a, a place that you could probably do some more investing in. For sure. We like it out there. The prices yeah. have gone up substantially since, since you bought since we bought uh, two or three years ago. They've gone up a lot, but we locked in our interest rate around 2.7 percent, which was for a 30 year for 30 year. How and did that you was... get that? Is, are, is one of the people in the group an American? Uh, no, uh, it was just so Spencer and I are on title for that property and from everything we were told, like my chiropractor actually is who introduced me to this idea of Ellicottville. He had yeah. it for about two years and he said, yeah, there's these things, 30 year mortgages. I'm like, what do you, what's a 30 year mortgage? Like as a Canadian, I had no idea. Yeah. But yeah, apparently you can have one in your own personal name, yeah. get a 30 year mortgage and- From like a Canadian bank? No, we got one from a local bank out there. I think it was like Cataragus County Bank or whatever. So you really? can either go through the local bank or you can go through one of the, I forget if it's RBC or- RBC will do, yeah, all the big the big ones. Yeah, I mean, I'm not sure if Scotia ones. does, but I know RBC, TD and BMO Harris Bank. Yeah, there was three, yeah, yeah, okay. So that's it. So yeah, we ended up doing the local thing and it worked out great. And so they were okay with Canadians for up to one. Yeah, that's, I don't want to quote that for one, but that was our yeah. understanding. So we had no problem getting it and they were, they were fantastic with us. Okay. So let's, let's walk through sort of the numbers on that one. What it looked like, like, what did you buy that for? We bought that one for, uh, that one was 250 USD, of course. 250. Yeah. We'll, we'll just assume we're talking US dollars here. Uh, any reno? No renos. No, it, it came fully furnished actually. They so you had, didn't even have to invest in furniture. We didn't have to do that. No, we had to invest in all the Airbnb startup costs, like anything to start an Airbnb. It was probably about 20,000 give or take to get all like everything for us to be fully set up. I think you're talking like all your dishes, your TV dishes, our made stuff, our linens, stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. So 20 the, grand you guys spent on all that. Yeah. Is that typical like Spencer and Ashley style? Like they invest heavily up front. Yeah. Um, 
I'd have to let them speak more to that. But yeah. they're they're the kings and queens in the Airbnb management and Airbnb space. So yeah, yeah. But yeah, I'm gonna have them back on at some point to kind of give the uh, the catch up. Oh yeah, they've done a ton in the yeah. last couple of years. It's pretty crazy what they're doing. All right, so so that one. What do you uh, what do you get like on an average month? I, I know obviously winter is probably prime time, but summer is probably pretty decent too. Yeah, it's fantastic there actually. We neither of us or our girlfriends have been there during the summer, just down to ski and stuff, and it's it's very popular there. It's a big like bachelorette and bachelor town, which we yeah. had no idea about. But I think this year mm. we're on pace for I'm gonna say seventy five to eighty. Seventy five to eighty thousand. Yeah. Okay. Gross, of course. And yeah, yeah. So that's what. And we're that w- at. so that would include your your cleaning fees that you collect. Yes. Correct. Okay. Yeah, that'd be all in. For what's sure. what's your uh, annual property taxes there? Do you know? I don't know. So it's a little bit more confusing out there. Like they have all these escrow accounts and stuff, and our school taxes went up arbitrarily. Yeah, yeah. Like, they have like a bunch of different categorizations. Which, if you break down the, the bills here, you see the portion for schooling and stuff too. Yeah. yeah. Um, Basically, all in our insurance, our mortgage, our property taxes. Um, I think we're around nineteen hundred right now for all that. Like, it's all lumped in together. Nineteen thousand or nineteen hundred? Sorry, nineteen hundred monthly. Nineteen hundred monthly. Okay. Correct. All right. I'm gonna just adjust my number here. I have to divide seventy-five thousand by twelve. Perfect. Seventy-five thousand. Well, okay. So about sixty-two fifty a month. You said you're about 1900 across property taxes, insurance. Yep, mortgage. Yep. And your mortgage? Yep, mortgage oh, is gotta, there too. Yeah, we gotta take the mortgage out of there. Uh, oh, sorry. <laughs> okay, so we'll we'll call it like a thousand then, thousand a month between yep. so property taxes, insurance, and what else would be in that? Uh, uh, that would be, yeah, property tax, insurance, Let's just and, say, yeah, we'll say five grand. It. We'll say yeah. five grand a year for those two property taxes and insurance. Okay. And Sounds then I'm going to, I'm going to play with some numbers on the back end of that. So, uh, maintenance, I'm just going to leave 5% in there. Yeah. That's pretty fair. Yeah. That's like 3750 yeah. a year. If you have anything break or need somebody to go in. Yep. Um, and then utilities, you guys obviously pay for those. We do. Yeah. yeah. So we have a well out there. We have hydro and everything. That's probably it's probably about the same as here. It's not crazy. So, so 300 a month or 200 a month, something like that? Yeah, let's say 300. Okay, so equals 300 times 12, so 3,600 a year. Um, management, you guys pay a company or a Spencer? Spencer and Ashley, yeah. Is there an allocation for them, like separate because they handle that? No, so we each have different roles. Like I okay. handle a lot of the contracting stuff and dealing with all like our team out there. Yeah. Spencer and Ashley, they'll be a bit heavily more heavily on the Airbnb side. So you guys have some boots on the ground that you pay? We do, yeah. yeah we have our contractor out there, Rich. He's awesome. He takes care of our hot yeah. tub maintenance. He does any of yeah. our day-to-day easy stuff if a table breaks or whatever. So we yeah. have him doing all that. So would he fit in that 5%, 3750 a year that we, we budgeted? Yeah, it might be slightly higher than that. Yeah, why don't we just allocate off like a 2% for him as well? Or that something. sounds good. Yeah. Probably by the time you pay him. For and then sure. landscaping and snow... You yeah. guys get an annual contract for that? We do, yeah. I, honestly, like, like fifteen hundred a year or something. Yeah, it's like sixty bucks every clearing or whatever. If they do it, whatever, yeah. ten, twelve times. All right. Yeah, we'll call it fifteen hundred for the year. Yeah, that's fair. And then cleaning. This is all based on how many times you have turnovers. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. So, so each cleaning costs you what? Uh, 
it'll average 150 a clean, I would say. So equals 150 a clean, and you probably turn over what five to ten times per month, depending on the month. Or yeah, let's see, let's go high. Let's say ten times a month on average across the year times yeah. twelve. So like eighteen grand a year in cleanings. Yep, that'd be fair. It adds up, right? For sure. And then miscellaneous, I'm just gonna put like a thousand bucks to cover any sort of replacements of towels or you know whatever you might Sounds have. Good. You have your soaps and all that stuff. Yep, all that important stuff. Do you arrange the buying of the, all that or Spencer and Ashley have their systems for They've got their systems. They've got their checklists and our, our maids checklists and everything like that. And it's just we the stock lists. We'll have our cleaners go through that. And then, mm. yeah, they are so sis- systematized yeah. with everything they do. Yeah. I've been very lucky <laughs> having them as partners. Dude, it's great because, like, you got a front row seat to learn. Like, they're this is what they do right so you're you're learning you know insider look uh at what they do um okay so i'm going to plug in your mortgage amount i'm not going to say what the cap rate i calculated is yet uh but so 30-year mortgage at 2.2.7 oh like that's insane yeah we won't get that again i wish we bought five (laughs) 80 percent did you guys get 80 percent. yeah yeah so 200 grand you got yes so your mortgage payment is about 809 bucks I think you said before that you were like nineteen hundred with mortgage insurance and and taxes. Yeah. So now we can figure out what those other numbers were. So I'm just gonna. Uh, so you said nineteen hundred minus eight oh nine. So you're a thousand a month for the rest. Okay. So you're pretty expensive on the other stuff, like taxes and insurance together are about twelve so, grand a year. Yeah, our taxes just went up like crazy for whatever reason. Yeah. We've been trying to figure it out, but haven't got a concise answer for why this has happened. But yeah. they were about half of that last year, and then we've just got hit. We got a letter, and it's like you're it's going up like five six hundred dollars a month, and they said it should go back down yeah. in May, but they didn't even give us a clear reason why. Yeah, yeah. Let's apparently they can fluctuate. They can <laughs> fluctuate. So I've got it at twelve grand for the two taxes and insurance. So. Yeah. Feel like there's some room to save in there but we're, we'll do a conservative number uh yep. based on what you've given me so your cap rate on $250,000 acquisition is about 13.4 percent meaning if you didn't finance it you'd be a 13.4 percent return on cash right uh but uh because you did finance it and got a great rate you guys make about 1990 a month on that on average yeah and i'm guessing there are some like the shoulder seasons maybe a little slower that's or is it just consistent like this thing just always so, generates like the winter's huge like it'll winter's be huge, huge. summer's gonna be big summer's big yeah and then we're still cash flow positive on our slowest seasons even in like april say even like april. you're not summer you're not winter yeah. our expenses are so low there that it's easy yeah. to cash flow yeah yeah it'd be nice to have a whole portfolio of those <laughs> yes it would so your your cash on cash on this one so your down payment was 500 I'm getting a cash on cash return of about 44%. <laughs> Sounds great. <laughs> and honestly, it, it is. Like we've invested a bunch of money back into the property. We just turned yeah. our garage into a custom games room. It's massive. And that it's, helps you get more on the rent. It, it, yeah, yeah, it helps increase our, our price and it gets more families there. And that's the big thing yeah. we love having. We like more upper middle class families and we'll you don't want to the... get as many partiers bachelor parties exactly yeah it yeah. sleeps eight there so it's great it's not as big as some of our other properties but yeah it's actually on the smaller end but again for the two hundred fifty thousand dollar investment this has been a fantastic property that's great so yeah uh how big is it like how many square feet would you say above grade uh, about a thousand thousand above. oh so really not very big it's not very big and at then all. the basement no. is finished or no no basement at all 
Actually. No basement at all, 1,000 square feet, and it still sleeps eight? Yeah. That's a tiny little yeah. fella. Well, you know what? Sorry. No, maybe I'll say 1,000 on the main floor. Then there's like 300 square feet upstairs. Oh, it's for like a little half story? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay. It was an old schoolhouse, actually, 100 years ago. It was a schoolhouse. <clears throat> it was a schoolhouse, yeah. We have one of those bells that you can pull it and ring the bell and everything. And Wild. It was crazy. Yeah. The oh, that's school. so cool. And yeah, how far... So Ellicottville, from my memory, is an L shape. You know, you drive yes. in and then you turn left to get out. Yeah. Like to, but if you kept going straight, yeah. you would end up at the ski resort. Is that right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 So we're about a six minute drive to downtown and seven minutes to the ski hills. So you're assuming everybody who's coming has got a car. They're just driving into yes. the ski resort. Yeah. They don't even have like they have Uber there. Like you can open up your Uber, but they have one driver for the whole like county. So yeah, it's a is spot he, you is need he a in high demand or she? I would imagine so. Yeah. And, like, what do people do uh, in Ellicottville? Like, they're, obviously, skiing's one thing. Yeah. And then, so bachelor parties, bachelorette parties, are they all partying at the ski resort? Or are there, are there like, bars downtown? There are bars, yeah. I compare it kind of like Niagara-on-the-Lake. Like, there's that, that main strip. There might be, like, eight or nine bars. There's another ten restaurants. And so there yeah. are a lot of spots there. Like good there's places to eat? Good, really good places to eat. Yeah, there's a couple spots that are really nice, a couple more upper scale and... It's a great spot. So this is Ellicottville, New York. Um, international investing, obviously. Yes. What are your thoughts about the experience? Like you guys didn't set up a, a, a corporate structure, so you didn't do an LP or anything like no, that. No, we didn't. Uh, so you, all four of you are on title? Uh, no, just Spencer and I for this one. Okay, just you and Spencer are yeah. on there. Um, have you noticed like any implications to your experience? Like anything worth noting about that first time investing in New York State? Yeah. A lot of people are afraid of New York State just because it is a little bit more uh, left-leaning. Definitely. Yeah, th some of the biggest things is it's a lot longer to close. It took about six or seven months to actually close the property. No way. Which was shocking. Yeah, apparent from our understanding, that's a bit more standard. It took a long time for international investors, so that was a long closing process. So you guys put this like conditional on your financing? Yes. Ah, good call. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, this was... this. Th we bought this... We started the process right before COVID. Mm -hmm. So we had to deal with this all through COVID, which was crazy because yeah. our whole thought was it's only an hour and a half away. So if Spencer and I have to zip up there for a weekend, it's no problem. But you couldn't cross the border. We couldn't cross the border. Spencer and Ashley had to fly. So they had to go for, I can't remember. They like one of us needed to go and they had more time than us at the time. I think they had to fly to Washington and then to Buffalo and it was like a 12 hour day for them to get to Ellicottville where it would only be an hour and a half drive. They could have taken that helicopter. Well, back when that worked, there was that brief time right. where you could still I fly that. in. I, yeah. I helicoptered in from uh, Niagara Falls. Oh yeah. Yeah, we took the Niagara Falls airport over to the uh, Niagara Falls, New York airport. Oh, that's a cool experience, but yeah, it's a pain in the butt. For yeah, sure. so they put our car on a truck. We sat oh, there wow. and waited all day. We took our dog. Um, it was absurd, absolutely absurd. But yeah. I got a little helicopter ride over the falls. Right. Oh, that's <laughs> fun. Yeah, but but yeah, it was crazy. So that was a that was a tough time for us. We actually had our heat pumps die. So uh, that was a big. That was about twelve thousand dollars we had to invest right away that we didn't expect. Ah, so okay. That was a big pain in the butt, and that was like the heart of COVID. No contractors were doing anything over in Ellicottville, and uh, just price gouging left and right. So. That yeah, was a heat struggle. pump for twelve grand. You can buy them on uh, Amazon down there for like nine hundred bucks. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, it was the external unit. A snake ended up climbing into 
the the outside unit yeah. and it fried the electrical system. Oh man! So it killed two of our internal units as well mm. as the outside unit. So big pain in the butt when no one wanted to do any work out there. Yeah, man, what an ugly time. I feel like most people have just shut that out of their their minds. For sure, I'm scarred by it. So I'll so never forget. I. I, hear <laughs> I know it was a tough time. So yeah. yeah, aside from the long closing, also you have to pay for all the taxes upfront for a year. So the school taxes, property taxes, yeah, they want all the ahead. taxes. Yeah, and a year of insurance as well. So that was yeah, the year did. insurance that's normal, and, and that's the way I do it here too. Like oh, okay. policy, I don't do the monthly because they charge a premium for that. So we just just pay the uh, oh gotcha the okay. whole years. Okay, I've never done that in Canada, so that was yeah. new for me over in the states. So that was an extra yeah. like I can't remember. It was six thousand plus American for that we didn't budget for the for, insurance for for that and the taxes and all yeah. that stuff. So. That's why when you close on a property, you got to have the uh, extra money in your pocket. Uh, <laughs> I think that's in our book. Actually. It is. Absolutely. That is definitely one of the things you want to have a certain percentage yeah. of extra cash. And and we did so many people it. just budget for, for the closing. And you so in your case, you for probably sure. had extra, but it's even more than you thought. It, it was even more than. Yeah. Or, yeah, yeah. We gave ourselves room and it was substantially more than that. So, yeah, this is why I look at the real estate business as a business to have like working capital in. Yes, like you you want to have like. For me, I always wanted to have like, you know, 15, 20 grand a property just available. I started at 10. Sure. I kept increasing that number because it just made me feel more comfortable. But, you know, for five properties, I'd have 100 grand sitting in cash across five accounts. And they're like, eh, yeah. is that efficient? I don't know. Like it, it helps me helps me feel more comfortable about things. So for sure. I felt, yeah. Like, yeah, learning what I've learned over the last year and a half since the market crashed, I wish I had my accounts looking like you just said. Yeah. So. It helps when, when the property really cash flows because I didn't have For to sure. feed them to get there. They all got there on their own. That's great. Yeah. I mean, obviously I had money available, but you know, they started off more lean. I'm right. like, okay, ain't touching anything. Let it grow. Right. Uh, but you got to be ready, right? You got to be able to pull. That's why it's nice to have like those lines of credits or, you know, I know I don't ever like relying on the lines because I always have this thought the bank could cancel that line at some point. Like, I don't know. It's probably somewhere in the terms. If they choose, they could just shut it down. Right. So I'd rather have some cash available for that kind of stuff just in case. For sure. But uh, do you need to have 20 for every single property? I think that that's probably overkill, but it depends on the type of property. Uh, and this is something I wanted to point out here is like, this is a great example. Like that's a, those are dynamite numbers in a micro example. Yes. Like no one's getting rich off of that one house. For sure. But you do enough of them and you start you start seeing the uh, the impact. Absolutely. Like I'd be curious crunching the numbers with today's mortgage rates yeah. now. Just out of curiosity because yeah. I wonder like again the prices have gone up a bit, but you could probably get this house for 300,000 instead of 250 yeah. now. But my question is would they still cash flow? Okay. So 300,000 we're going to change that mortgage rate to like 7% or 8. Yeah. At 8%, all the other expenses, I left them the same. So I changed the purchase price to 300. So still doing 80% mortgage. So your new mortgage is 240. Uh, your new mortgage payment is going to be 1739 a month, which leaves 1064 cash flow. Still pretty good. And anytime somebody's talking about a property that you can buy for 300 grand that can cash flow 1000 a month, yeah. like those are like old school numbers. Absolutely. But this is where you got to remember this is an Airbnb. And that's this is big. this is a business more than in all real estate investing is a business, but this is like really a business. I fully agree. And Ellicottville's already been hit. Like we're we're far enough out into the farmland where everything yeah. we're as protected as you can be, but they could still implement something saying no Airbnbs at all. So downtown in the town of Ellicottville, there's no Airbnbs allowed. 
And that only, that started maybe a year, year and a half ago. And my friend, who's the chiropractor, his Airbnb was within that zone. So they're shut down. They're shut down and can't run it as an Airbnb anymore. Hi friends, I just wanted to take a moment away from the episode to tell you about my brand new structured coaching program. This is the first time I've ever offered a structured coaching program where we'll have regular meetings in addition to an intro call uh, to go through what your goals are and help you get on a plan to achieve those goals within real estate. So if you've followed me for some time and you feel that I would be a fit for you to help you achieve your goals in real estate based on my skill set, based on the topics we cover on this show, I encourage you to head over to my website, andrew-hines.com forward slash coaching and fill out the questionnaire so that we can schedule a call and figure out if it's a fit for us to work together. Let's face it, most people could benefit from a second set of eyes and ears going over their strategies, different deals that they're looking at and helping to springboard ideas back and forth. This is a program that's exactly for that. So if you're looking to build confidence in what you're doing in real estate investing and get very clear on what it is you're trying to accomplish, this might just be the program for you. Take a moment, fill out that questionnaire and let's schedule a chat. All right, great point. You brought up that uh, that they shut you down or they shut some people down. And this is, this is the fear of Airbnb. And one of the things that I was, I don't know if I vocalized it, but when I saw all these people going after these Airbnbs in like London, Ontario, once Toronto did what they did, it was very obvious that every municipality was gonna follow eventually. Um, so you have the, the municipalities where Airbnb is part, it's a mainstay, it's part of what the majority of the population wants. Like say a place like Tobermory where, where we have some stuff, like you need Airbnbs there. Like that's, that's where most people stay. There aren't even really a lot of hotels. Uh, so Airbnb is very popular. It's, it's necessary. I think most of the people there probably want it. I could be misspeaking, but it's much more of a, a cultural thing. Muskoka is the same, like cottage rentals. Are, is anyone really going to say you can't rent out a cottage on Airbnb? Um, but when you get into towns like this, that's actually quite surprising to me. What, what do they want? They want people staying in the hotels? That's what I don't understand. They have one hotel there and then they have some smaller motels, but then the rest are rentals. So yeah, so, I don't know their long-term plan. So what is the, like, I mean, the ski resort must hate that. They must, they must think this is a very bad thing unless they have their own hotel accommodation. They do have some, yeah. but not a lot. It's not small. To, it's not like Blue Mountain where they have all the like different accommodations. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, it's very different there. So that's an interesting move. It just goes to show that like, you're never really safe from uh, what these tyrants who call themselves government might do. Uh, right. So you got to be prepared to pivot as needed. Now, do you think in this one, is there a play? Like, what would you rent for on a monthly rent? I guess Ellicottville is such a weird thing. Like, there's probably, of course, now there's a whole bunch of rental product available. Yes, for sure. But what's what's a rental, you know, there go for? 1500 for that house a month? It'd be around there. Yeah, I'd say so you 15 would to 18. Yeah, we'd be slightly negative yeah. there for sure. So then and the alternative is sell it and the market value is still there. It is, yeah. It's because people people might want to buy as like a family uh, family property, like a second home. Oh, we have a home in Ellicottville for when we go skiing and stuff. For sure, yeah. There's not a lot of product available there. So yeah, yeah there might be like 10, 15 houses listed at any time there and that's it. And, uh, yeah. and ours is at... The house is very nice for what it costs. Yeah. Like it's a very, we got really lucky with it at the end of the day. And we have put some money into it over the last couple of years. Mm -hmm. But worst case scenario at this point where we all are, we might even just use it as a vacation home or who knows. We have some options there if it If they down. expanded the municipality. So, so for you guys, it would be up to the county now if the county wanted to ban it. 
correct. Which, yes. Which county is that in? Do you know? It's Cataraugus County okay. out there. Yeah. So yeah, I we're literally out in Farmville out there. Like we're only seven so, minutes away. But are we're you on the enough. side with the Tim Hortons or are you on the other side? Of we're town? on the other side. Yeah. So you have to go way past outside of town. Okay. Yeah. So we're in a perfect spot. I, we're as protected as you can be. So we're lucky. We're not in the village yeah. or anywhere near that that property like city line. <laughs> so this is the part where I like to like. dig into so what if they did shut you down you'd probably list it for sale or maybe you guys figure hey we earned the money we wanted to out of this we'll just chill because for if you've been making about two thousand a month for how many years now yeah for about it's only been about two years now of two thousand a month yeah so that's 48 g's right there yeah we pulled out some money we've reinvested like i said we did the custom games room Uh, yeah yeah we used pink wall designs which is oh yeah uh, dave knight's uh Beyonce or wife? Sorry, I'm not. I'm yeah, I think they're married sure. now. Yeah, Aaron. Yeah, they just yeah. got married. Yeah, Aaron, Aaron and Heather. I actually connected yeah. them. I connected oh, no Heather way. to Dave, and then uh, <laughs> they started. Uh, Aaron and Heather started Pinkwall Design. <laughs> oh, that's awesome! Yeah, they're yeah. awesome people. They were fantastic yeah. to work with. So, yeah, they did this custom design I would never think of in my entire life, but the photos are absolutely dynamite on Airbnb. Really? So that's one of the big things: make your photos look awesome. So they basically take on the project and go in and make it look cool yeah yeah they came up with the whole design they had these cool like 3d designs of it and everything then they sourced everything so they found everything like we got this cool like pool table this basketball game all the pac-man machine all this fun stuff they found all that stuff. they found it all they took care of shipping it to where we needed it and everything and then wow yeah spencer myself uh courtney and ashley went down for a weekend or two and put it all together and it looks awesome so what's that normally look like uh to have them do like like what did what did that kind of solution cost or did they give you some friend pricing <laughs> we got some friend pricing so i don't want to say a price because i feel like we could use their help uh oh my god some stuff i recommend them all day like yeah like we don't have a ton of time to do stuff like that and i was saying to spencer yeah. like yeah i can do it but like not in a million years would it look like this if i did it so it was yeah. worth the investment on our so we have at our neptune's like cottage location we have uh the main cottage has a, a room that used to be the office back when this was kind of run more classically. They had the owner's office. Uh, we want to turn it into a games room, like pinball and whatever, like just, just something to make it like a little kid's paradise. So people right. will book it. Cause it's obviously you're going to see that in your revenue. People are going to see that and they're going to book based on that. So yeah, that's a, you're giving me some ideas here. It's a great idea. Yeah. yeah. Like you want to be a little different. Like one of the big things with Spencer and Ashley is winter amenities. So we have a hot tub there because you need something like, a hot mm-hmm. tub or a barrel sauna and especially yeah. at, at a ski resort too you definitely want that after a long day yeah we actually have a hot tub and a barrel sauna at that <laughs> that cottage now oh that's awesome but that's we're just great. uh we're just about to shut it down for the winter it's just so sparse up there during the winter like we right. thought maybe but not that we've done a great job i think we're just not quite prepared for this winter like we need to kind of regroup and get ready for next and then maybe go right. for it then we'll see it's a big project <laughs> The thing with Airbnb is like, and especially for us, like, and you're at a distance too, is like finding somebody that can go there, can work and can set all the stuff up and do it to the degree that I would want it done for, for a price that we could agree on. Like what we've found is that in, in Tobermory, it is a little harder to find people to work. And the ones that we have found that are good are insanely expensive. And uh, yeah. I don't know, do you find the same in, in Ellicottville? Yes. At the start, it was a absolute battle finding anybody like the guy we have now doing our handiwork. If he goes away, I don't know what we're going to do because he's been too good to us at a great price. 
Our mm-hmm. cleaning team is all set now, which is fantastic. They've been awesome. Yeah. Super reasonable. But yeah, it's the, the getting the electrician or the plumber or any of those skilled trades out there that it costs you an arm and a leg. And it's a battle every time to get someone out there. Really? Just, it's a different pace, I'll say. And what are the what's the permitting like in uh, in Ellicottville? Do you need a permit to do anything? Um, no, not really. Or not that you're aware of. <laughs> not that we're aware of. <laughs> we haven't done anything major, yeah. so like nothing crazy like that. The process was easy to apply for an Airbnb license. I think it was a couple hundred bucks, and we I can't remember if it was two or three years, and we just reapply again, pay our couple hundred bucks, and that's it yeah. for the permit there. I uh, I know in in Florida you need a, you need a permit for anything. If you want to, well, this is like Southwest Florida. You, if you want to change your shingles, got to get a permit. If you change the cabinets, you take the cabinets off the wall, got to get a permit because you're supposed to bring the electrical up code. It is so absurd the level of uh, the level of control they have over what people are doing right down yeah. there. It, it, it makes Ontario look conservative, which otherwise Florida looks much more conservative. But with regard to permitting, it's absurd. What, what they do down there i don't right. i don't really get it i mean the justification i've heard is that there were too many fly-by-night contractors ripping off homeowners well i mean that's literally not new at all that's been happening forever so yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh sure. just a power grab as far as i could see but uh it's interesting so i I've, I've heard that yeah new york is a little easier to deal in in that regard it is yeah i definitely yeah. work out there again like, yeah eventually i wouldn't mind getting a few more in ellicottville and the surrounding areas yeah. well that's the key scale is key in my opinion like can you scale? Like, what's the goal for you with this, John? And, and uh, you know, how, how do you see it scaling? Or do you? Yeah, so a couple things have happened since we bought that property. I actually started a flipping corporation with my dad and my sister in St. Catharines. Yeah. And we were buying more expensive houses in the area between like six and $800,000. And this is actually when I approached you about the book. This was all... Yeah the end of 2021 so this is a couple mm-hmm. months before the big yeah. real estate crash and everything yeah and things uh, were going good things <laughs> were going so good we flipped we'll say four or five properties netting between 50 and 120,000 per flip like it was incredible yeah. like just printing money at that pace like yeah. just flying through them all so we decided to leverage other people's money borrowed a bunch of money and we ended up having three flips on the go as the market crashed. And yeah. this was all private mortgages. This was all, it w- it was terrible pretty much. I, when was it the start of kind of like Q2, 2022 and everything? And that's collapsed, when things started getting worse. I mean, March was really the notable March uh, shift. That was like the peak yeah. and then things started to fall. Yeah, so yeah. we had three very expensive flips, all private mortgages on the go when that yeah. happened. And uh, yeah, my first lesson <laughs> was basically like, one was over leveraging. We were mm-hmm. very over leveraged. Everything we had was in these properties. Mm-hmm. And then the second thing was I had like my worst case scenario, but my worst case scenario was here. And what actually happened was like way down here yeah, kind of thing, because I've heard of the 2008 crash and all that stuff, but I, yeah. like I was in my teens when that happened. So I didn't, mm-hmm. I didn't know what it meant, didn't know what it felt like, didn't know how bad it could get. So I never expected to, like, I'll give you an example, like just like top line stuff, but it was like, we bought a house for 750, put $120,000 into it. The market crashed and we sold it for $700,000 because we were just bleeding money. So we lost hundreds of thousands on that flip alone kind of thing, but we had three private mortgages. So 
just an entire shit show. Like we never, we knew the bubble was going to pop. We knew that, but I didn't know prices were going to drop 20, 25%. And you still can sell these yeah. houses at that price. So my yeah, worst case scenario, market, yeah. I had no idea it yeah. could be that bad. So mm -hmm. I never accounted for like the worst of the, the worst. worst of the worst. And this is one of those things for me that like I saw the way things were going. I'm like, how could I? I was like, how do I get into this? Like yeah. I wanted to be doing more in real estate. But I'm like, yeah. I just I can't see how it would exit if I were doing that. Right. And I, one of the things I noticed that actually really scared me is in 2018, I did a Burr product project. And I ended up over what I expected to be. Um, and it wasn't like I would have like basically made nothing if the market hadn't gone up while I was doing it. Right. In fact, I might have lost the realtor commission like wow. for selling it. Yeah. Like I was planning to keep it, but it's like, okay, now I'm going to be leaving money into this deal and I'm paying private money because that's how I did it. So yeah, yeah, it worked out so that I could still pay the private money and I, you know, may break even and stuff. But I just looked at it. I'm like, I'm reasonably sophisticated in real estate. Like I have construction experience, a team, and even I was having, you know, trouble doing it without having the market save me. Right. And then I, I so I looked at that and I'm like, I got lucky here. Right. And it could have easily gone the other way. And I think with your flips, you probably noticed, you probably could have just bought some of these, held onto them for a year and sold them. Maybe you didn't even need to renovate them. Absolutely. And you're right. That's yeah. what would have happened. Like yeah. if we were doing this in kind of a stable market, we yeah. might've made 10, 20, $30,000 consistently. But yeah. like now that I can look back at the numbers, like it wouldn't have made sense for us to do it. And the risk of us doing yeah. it, it's very obvious now knowing what I know. Yeah. And uh, there were some very expensive lessons along the way. Lessons you'll never forget, man. That, that, no. that shit will stick with you. For sure. So you guys all had to reach into your pockets and basically pay this all out. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So I wish I could say I figured out these awesome things and was able to get out of it. But of those three flips, we ha ended up having to sell two of them at multi six-figure losses, turn the third one into an Airbnb that's now like crushing in Niagara-on-the-Lake. Like That's nice. You got Niagara-on-the-Lake is just even better than Ellicottville, right? Absolutely, yeah. It's a much yeah. more expensive home. It's doing very well and it's always gonna do well over there. So we're happy mm -hmm. with that. Like that, that's kind of the only nice thing that came out of it aside from all these lessons, but. Well, yeah. I mean, uh, there's uh, one positive spin if you wanna look at it that way is like, you can carry that capital loss forward. Yes, and absolutely. And you can basically just offset the next thing that you do to win. And I've had a yep. similar experience, not to that degree of number, but I've carried losses forward and it just offsets future profits, future sure. gains, right? Yeah. So yeah, one of the silver linings for sure. It is a silver lining. Uh, yeah. yeah, so so it's certainly something uh, if you want to look on the positive side. For sure, yeah. The other positive yeah. for us is how we actually got out of it is my mm -hmm. girlfriend scaled her business to two or three times what it is now. Yeah. She, yeah, she's in social media management yeah. and all the influencing and stuff. And it forced us to really think outside the box. And that's what we did. So she scaled her business like crazy. And then I jumped in her business as well. And so you help her out with some stuff? I do. Yeah. She's the face. She's the yeah. one responsible for growth and stuff. I'm kind of more of the numbers guy behind behind the scenes. Like I'll develop yeah. product with her and stuff like that. But like, yeah. It's challenging it's times just make you make you grow right it does and it's like sure. you guys throwing yourself into Ellicottville like you sign on the dotted line you know you're both capable but it was obviously going to stretch you like you were For obviously sure. going to have to like you know bang your head on the wall a little bit and figure out how you're going to definitely come up with a solution and it is uncomfortable but For look sure. all the good that will eventually come out of what happened to you right 
for one, we'll have a bunch of great lessons for the book. Two, very few people have ever come on this podcast and shared a story like that. Like, yeah, you know, how, how that's hurt you, I can only imagine, in, in what you're doing. Yeah. Are you still feeling the pain from it? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm very open with everything, like our yeah. wins and our losses. And yeah, yeah, like very open, like everything crashed like we were saying like 2022 march or around that time yeah i had this incredible like once in a lifetime trip with uh, six of my best friends my girlfriend so yeah. eight of us in croatia rented a private yacht sailed around croatia seven different islands trip yeah. of a lifetime yeah. third night in i had my first ever panic attack at 3 a.m just in this yacht the heat uh, the air condition wasn't working had a panic attack. I don't recommend those. That was no fun at all. But just because I just realized like the world kind of just crashed around us. And uh, so you were on the trip when on the trip when everything kind of came together where we knew where we are. We just sold one of the properties at the major loss. Oh, like okay. we just had our like numbers like yeah. this is where we're at right before that. Yeah. And it just that's kind of when everything collapsed. And it was just yeah. It was a terrible time. So I'm, I'm very upfront talking about yeah. these things, but we're still feeling the pain like, yeah. and we will for another couple of years. Like we have these great assets. Like we have a handful of Airbnbs that are all super cash flow positive mm -hmm. and they're great. Yeah, I could sell a couple of them and be looking good financially, but yeah. it makes more sense to hold them at this point. It's tough to give up those Airbnbs in those yes. areas. I mean, unless you look at the return on equity, which I highly recommend everybody learn, and I'll probably go through an episode on this. Uh, so people can really understand how to um, assess what your investment is really doing for you because you can't look at what you invested you got to look at what it's worth today right and net of tax consequence and all that stuff yeah so uh it's, it's a different conversation for a different day but yeah i mean niagara lake is up so much from where it used to be and i like pretty much no matter when you say like from two years ago is it maybe not but uh from five years ago for sure it is definitely and yeah you know, it's just gone up and up and up minus the last couple of years. Yeah. Um, and there's just so much money to be made with those those Airbnbs. For sure. It is so insanely expensive in Niagara on the Lake. So it is. It's a big barrier to entry. Like it's yeah. about a million bucks to get in anything around there now. Yeah. So but a nightly stay on any Airbnb, like even like okay hotels are what, like four fifty, five hundred a night. For sure. Like we can charge well over a thousand a night, kind of, for more peak seasons and stuff there. Yeah. So yeah, it is pretty loose. So in a year, are you over there. 100 grand? Yeah, definitely. You're what, yeah, like 150, sure. 200 maybe? Or no? uh, we're not approaching there yet. We're only on our second full year. So we're like 100, mid hundreds right mid hundreds. now. So. so say you were 150, just to put this in perspective, like on a yeah. monthly. Whoopsies, 150 divided by 12. So you're like 12,500 12, a month on average then if you're like 150. Yeah, not saying you're there be, yet. So sorry, we might be a little lower than that. That might be maybe a little ten thousand a month. Maybe about ten thousand on 10, average. Ten thousand yeah. a month is pretty pretty great uh, top line. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it's a good yeah. top line. Uh, it's a more expensive mortgage, obviously, and stuff. But yeah, it still cash flows very well. Like, so, what would you say your average monthly cash flow is on that? Um, probably about twenty five hundred. All said and done. Nice. Yeah. So it is. It's good. I like that for sure. That's great. It Spencer and Ashley nice. help you with that. They helped out with a lot. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, they're not in this property, but still, like, yeah. anytime I need anything, they're awesome. So it's great to have good friends like that. For sure. Good friends who are smart and, like, yes. make you want to do more in your business, too. Yeah, and that's yeah. it. Like, they're one of those, like, groups of people that made us get into this. My yeah. sister's boyfriend, he's a big, uh, 
big condo guy in Toronto. He sells like pre-con condos. He's done very yeah. well in real estate. So yeah. we have these influences that have kind of pushed us Helps. along the way. Interesting. Yeah. So it's been great. But to bring it all back, like we started that flipping corporation when I approached you about the book. Because yeah. I was like, there is a lot I don't know. And I want to protect myself. Yeah. That is literally why I approached yeah. you with this book. Because like I wanted to write a second book. I wrote a like a fiction book like eight or nine years ago. It was fun. But I wanted mm. to learn while I was doing it. And when I initially thought about writing this book, I was just yeah. like, I'll just approach real estate investors and see who's interested and try to interview them. Yeah. And I'm like, that's just such a waste of time. Like I'm a nobody in the yeah. real estate investing world. So then you're the person I've learned everything from. You and Erwin, I've listened to for the last five years or whatever. And I owe most of my knowledge to you and Erwin. So cool, man. That's so a cool feeling. It, yeah, like it brings it all back. So I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to cold DM Andrew and see mm. if he would be interested in doing this. So I remember I filmed like a two minute like video DM and I sent it to you. And the same day I sent it, you're like, yeah, man, let's set up a call. Let's chat about it. And I'm like, holy shit, like court, like Andrew said he wants to talk to me about this. Like mm. I was blown away. I can't even. Yeah, I was very excited. I think we had a phone call the next day. I kind of gave my 10 minute pitch and you're like, yeah, sounds awesome. And then that was it. And then that's how this all started. OK, so your your pitch was uh, was a good one, because for me, I wanted to write a book for a long time. But I don't it's not the type of thing I want to take the lead with because my writing has always just been like I speak and it's never been something that like when I, I can get into it and I'll write a feasibility study or a business plan or whatever. But um, I wanted I wanted to have somebody who would kind of had that published the entire publishing experience uh, run with it for me. So when you proposed it, it was like, that's perfect because yeah. I had you know thought about starting a book probably like four years before and like, you know, opened up the word document and started putting in the outline together. And I'm like, okay, I'm not doing this. <laughs> yeah, it's so much work. And yeah. I thought about this as a JV from the very start yeah. because like a lot of people do the one person does the money, one does the yeah. operations. And I viewed that as this entirely. Because there's I, a business around putting a book together. And absolutely. So one of the things, this the, the way this book's different for, because uh, I don't think we've explained this, we have a lot of really uh, sharpshooter real estate investors interviewed in the book and they're, they're featured in the book. We, we uh, kind of break it out into each, uh, each different investor and then give them an opportunity to provide value, talk about what they're doing, what their strategy is. Um, some notably really laid it all out there, which was really, uh, really cool. Others more just focused on their story and their experience. Um, and we talk, you know, the, we use the word buffet in the, uh, you know, the intro uh, portion of the book, just like, it's like take what you want. Like not everybody wants to be a flipper. Not everybody wants to do Airbnb or commercial or whatever. It's like le learn from the ones that resonate with you, and um, and then we have our portion of the book, which is you know a, a lot of me kind of teaching my philosophies, which I throw out on this uh, podcast a lot. Which we're not quite done yet. We still yeah. got more uh, more to finish uh, because this started in 2022. Market crashed, obviously continued on um so we did updates from each uh each guest uh or each interviewee uh which john ran with all of that like it, that, that was a lot of heavy lifting with the interviews and the updates and um and uh now our next step is to to push this and and to make sure that people hear about it um i mean of course once we're finished and as we're finishing it uh so the title we're 
kind of almost there, but it may change. So we're not going to share it yet. <laughs> yeah, yeah, to be determined. Yeah, yeah, yeah to be concluded anyway. Yeah, the whole concept's been there from the start. We've been working with like one iteration of the title, and it's basically just trying to try not to use the words in our title, but it, like Andrew said, it's a buffet. You don't like you don't need to like everything, but you're going to pick your direction. Yeah, like read those interviews, maybe follow those yeah. that interviewee, learn about what they do, and then just continue a deep dive from there. Yeah, yeah. So John, let's talk about like structure wise. Like when people are reading the book, obviously the intent is that you're going to read through all the parts that we have specifically written as content from us. Uh, but then there's the the specific interviewees. Um, are our readers going to be able to just read top line and say, hey, I know what this section's about? So there's going to be, some, you're going to see some people and you're no, going to know what they're going to talk about. Like if, Because you already know of them. Yeah, <laughs> like you will, the readers will probably know most of these names. If Not all of them because we do have some people in there yeah. more specialists. Like we have someone that speaks on social media a lot. Um, so there are different lesser known people, but add a lot of value to what, what the readers will do. Mm. So, but like, if you're going to read like Brittany Arneson, for example, like, you know, you're going to be reading about social media and she's doing all the big commercial stuff. Now all the storage facilities, storage facilities. Yeah. yeah. She's huge in that. She's all over Instagram. So I was really excited to, uh, do my interview with her. Actually, I was more nervous for her than anybody else. Fun fact. Yeah. She's such a big celebrity in the yeah. investing world huge social media presence but she was awesome yeah she's she's huge it's crazy what she's she's uh, doing so she's good done. yeah it's really cool to watch her and what she's doing her her bread and butter so she was on my podcast at like episode 50 something i think it, right right in there like in the 50s yeah it was i've listened to that one a few times long time ago yeah. uh but uh you know she had just she was the girl that just set up her phone and did work in her house yeah Absolutely. And Investor Girl Brett. Investor Girl yeah. Brett. Yeah. And she got this monstrous following out of that yeah. and then took it. She took what she had going for her and, and converted it into uh, ultimately a lot of investors, I think, and got herself into self-storage projects and sure. owns, well, at least has some degree of control on many uh, units. Yeah. She's syndicating these massive, yeah. massive, like, multi-million dollar yeah. deals and stuff now which is incredible. just goes to show you get yourself out there like true gary v style and gary v you know says that it doesn't you won't know how it will pay off and i go through this with my coaching students who i think pretty much everybody resists wanting to get on social media which yes. i don't even want to be on social media for the record yep. um but you have to like if you don't people don't know what you're about what you're doing and i can't tell you how many people reached out to me in the early days of my instagram account before I was even doing the podcast and just said, do you ever do JVs? Right. Which at the time I was always just like, no, <laughs> not anymore. Not right yeah, now. Uh, for sure. But, uh, you know, so much has changed in, in, in my philosophies and stuff over the years and uh, how I how I deal with that. But I think like, you know, roundabout way, like get yourself out there socially. I think, John, for you, a huge thing, because this was sort of a win-win between us is like your name's getting out there now as an author, as an investor, somebody who's not going to bullshit anybody, you, you know, hey, my mistakes are my mistakes. Yeah. And I've been very forthcoming about my mistakes early on, too. And I still make them. Right. Um, try not to. Yeah. But uh, yeah, like the opportunities are going to be endless. And our goal and we're hoping with, you know, you, the audience will help us with this is uh, we you know, we intend to turn this into a bestseller uh, here in Canada. And we think we've got the heavy hitters in this book. Um, you know, we're going to, we're going to leverage the name and the brand of this podcast and really try and get it out there. 
For sure. And because uh, I think that that would be cool. Best selling author. <laughs> We've put a ton of work into this. Yeah. So we're really excited for everybody to read it. Yeah. And if anybody's listening and thinking like, why would they listen to me, like John as one of the authors, mm -hmm. the mistakes I made and the lessons that have been learned along the way, yeah. that's given me a very inquisitive frame, very curious. Yeah. And it's given me the frame to ask all these investors, like, how do I solve these problems? Because I've been, I was going yeah. through these problems as I was having these interviews. So I was able to ask these questions that other people that haven't had my experiences would know of. Yeah. So my curious frame really helped your expertise. Mm -hmm. And then we have, I can't remember if it's 19 or 20 different interviewees. So yeah. we have such a crazy amount of expertise in the novel. Yeah. It's going to be exciting for people to read it. Yeah. Like high level, John, what do you think? Like, what do you think works today putting you on the spot? Um, like if you were to hand this book to somebody and say, hey, this this chapter right now would be a great one for you to read. Like what? Oof. And I just I'm thinking more strategy wise, like, right. Like, I still think flipping works. Do you think that? Yes. I but it's it about works. the buy, right? Absolutely. It's about getting yes. getting that buy. So so yes. So somebody says they want to flip. Great. You can do that. Sean Allen's in there. He does tons Sean of flipping. Sean Allen. Yeah. Big flipper. Yeah. <laughs> for sure. So, but one of the things you're going to want to consider now is the market will not save you. You have to assume that. I don't think people are any, under any in illusion that it would. In fact, they might be assuming there's probably a built-in decrease <laughs> right. uh, yeah. if I didn't do any value add. Yeah, I think like this has really changed my time horizon. Yeah. Like Alex Ramosi, have you, are you familiar with quotes. him at all? I see his quotes. He's the best. I love his podcast now. I listen to it relentlessly. I'm shocked I haven't quoted him five times already, but he talks about time time horizon and the longer your time horizon, the more successful you're going to be. Yeah. And with real estate investing, the longer you hold a property, the better you're going to do. Yeah. So with flipping, I just thought like everybody knows, have your A, B, C, and D plan. That's actually one of our chapters where you mm -hmm. give some of the your thoughts on that, which is really important. But I thought I had A, B, and C plans, and I really didn't at the end of the day. Yeah, how strong are they? Yeah, how strong are they? So that's another big yeah. thing is how strong are your A, B, and Cs? Yeah, and, and sometimes you have to put your ideas out to somebody you respect as a peer who's not involved and say, can I just pick your brain on this? What, you know, where am I weak here? Am I good? Am I weak? Tell me, what do you see? And, sure. uh, you know, sometimes you just ask somebody to be brutally honest with you and see where you're, where you're not fully thinking through things through right like and, and sometimes you just gotta ask well what would i do if that all fell apart like what would i do and it's hard to prepare for everything and sometimes the the comment you'll get back is well if that happens we're in a whole lot of trouble and for a whole lot of other reasons uh sometimes that is the answer but does that mean you don't pay attention to it i don't think so uh but everybody has their own level of risk they're okay with and it's a factor of your lifestyle do you have kids you know, who, who, who are you responsible for? Or do you just live in your parents' basement and uh, have yeah. no debt yet and you're, you're just wanting to get yourself out there? Well, you're going to be a heck of a lot more of a risk taker than somebody who's got, you know, three kids and, you know, yeah. house mortgage and whatever. So for sure. Um, anyways, not to get too tangent. Um, for now, if people have more, more questions about the book, stay tuned because we're going to be uh, putting the launch date in the show, we're gonna have a special offering for people who want to get a copy of the book for free. Uh, but you gotta you gotta follow us and tune in for more. 
Uh, so it'll be on our Instagram. We'll, we'll be sharing the details about that. So make sure you're following me at the Andrew Hines. Make sure you're following John. Yeah, John.Schwanker. John.Schwanker. Uh, we'll make sure both those are in the uh, show notes. Uh, we'll share that information there. And then we'll also be announcing it on the podcast, how you can get a free copy of the book. So uh, that'll be coming out in December uh, in terms of what you need to do. And uh, and uh, we'll go from there. So, John, uh, we've shared your your uh, contact info. Anything else you wanted to share before we wrap up for the episode? Uh, yeah, just finally, like who this is for. So everybody's going to be on different ends of the continuum of real estate mm-hmm. investors. This is fantastic for someone that's just new to the game because like you said, it's a buffet. So it's going to give you like 20 yeah. different viewpoints, but everybody has their inception story in it. So even if you're not yeah. flipping multi-million dollar properties, you're still going to find out the first steps that they had. Or if you're kind of, you've been investing for a couple of years, you have a handful of properties or you flipped a bunch, yeah. this will really teach you how to scale that. Because again, we have the inception story and then we yeah. talk a lot about everybody's growth and strategies. Mm-hmm. And finally, for the people that have been doing this for a longer time or have a bigger portfolio, we have like the top of the top people in this novel. We have some heavy hitters, like you said. So it'll even help these people up at the mm-hmm. higher levels to get to the absolute yeah. highest levels. So. And I'm a big believer that you can learn something from anybody. And uh, I, I don't think there are any skip over uh, chapters here. Like there's no skip over uh, interviewees. It's just a matter of, there are a couple of like guides that, you know, if you're, if you're established, you're not going to need. So you can skip over those guides. Yeah. Uh, but those are more just like stuff that I've included or we decided to include together. Uh, but uh, for sure, it's, it's got the, uh, it's got the gold nuggets for everybody. So for sure. It's a very easy read too. You can yeah. easily read like a chapter and maybe 10, 15 minutes with your morning coffee. Yeah. Even want to do that once a yeah. morning, just open up Work Mel and Dave it. and then Corey McKinnon a different day and just kind of let that yeah. marinate in your brain over the day. It's like, yeah. yeah, it's a quick and easy read per chapter. So you can incorporate it daily if you want or however you want to do it. Awesome. Well, John, thanks for coming over here. Much more to come for everyone tuned in. Uh, thanks for, for tuning into t- to today's episode. Reminder, if you're enjoying the show, make sure that you uh, share it and uh, tell somebody about it because that's the best thing you can do to help this thing grow because as we sort of alluded to real estate's a different game these days it's not nearly the sexy thing that it used to be we're all the fangirls and fanboys we're all on the sides cheering and you know wanting to get in now it's more uh it's more serious like the people who are in are serious and i think this book's gonna work really well for that cool all right thanks john see you next time thanks andrew here's how infinite banking works in under 60 seconds you have to save your money somewhere well we think the best place to save it is inside a cash value life insurance policy you save some money in there grows tax-free for the rest of your life then an opportunity or emergency comes comes along let's say a few years down the road you can buy a business buy a property buy an income producing asset you leverage the infinite banking policy borrow against your asset take advantage of the opportunity but your money still stays in the infinite banking policy. You're not borrowing your money. You're borrowing the insurance company's money. So your money's in the policy, it's in the opportunity, and it's providing a death benefit. Rinse and repeat, rinse and repeat. You get to retirement and you have this massive cash value life insurance. Leverage that tax-free and you don't repay those loans. You sit on the beach and you spend that money tax-free every month. It doesn't show up on a tax return and you leave your family a huge tax-free death benefit.